Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algemer to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly, how are you doing? Hi, Nick. I'm very good. How are you? Sweaty. Sweaty again. It's really hot. I feel like I've got like a damp, I've got a damp cloth and I'm dabbing the back of my neck like a southern gentleman of some kind. It's like, oh my days. Okay. I wanted to start off saying it's warm, but then I thought, why would I complain on the first note? You did that for me. See, this is it, isn't it? British people, that isn't a complaint. That's the starter of a conversation. Uh-huh. I'm just stating a fact. It's warm. And that's how British people do it. Like my wife hates it and uh, when my mum does it. And she goes like, oh, it's very cold today. And, and all she's doing is sort of starting a conversation. I see. Yeah. Intercultural communication. Intercultural communication. And that is my Sri Lankan-ness, being apologetic for something I hadn't even expressed. Is it Sri Lankan or is it just hundreds of years of kind of uh, imperial dominance that's forced a British sense of politeness upon you? Here's the question. It could be. Oh, God. This is like bringing up so many like traumatic events upwards. I mean, it's a bit early in the podcast to be going through the British Empire's centuries of uh, dominance and general uh, ramifications of the British Empire. So maybe we'll just move on to nicer topics. (laughs) Can I move on to a very small, nice topic, Nick? Yeah, sure, sure. I want to say hi to Tina Zesselman, who is a very loyal listener. I think she's the most shouted out uh, listener on the podcast. Really? Have I shouted out Tina before? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm shouting out Tina again. She deserves it. She's great. And um, also for the fact that she's a fellow sports non-enthusiast. Hi, Tina. Well, I mean, I don't even know if we're going to talk about sport a day, but we'll see. Hmm. Slightly disappointed. Before we start talking about the sport and the general disappointment that's going to come with that discussion, or at least the football, and we've already said hello to Tina, might as well talk about uh, what's happening ne- the, the, this week. To me, Dilly, what's happening to me? Is something nice happening to you? Yeah, I'm going on. I'm going back to Britain for a for a week oh, to enjoy Nick. British summertime. Oh, that sounds lovely. Tell me about it. What's on the plans for you? I mean, actually, everything's entirely orientated to one very particular thing, which is I'm going to do a English Civil War battle reenactment. And listeners from uh, will remember, or at least long term listeners will remember, I did the same thing last year and came back like a zen buddhist it was the most relaxed i think i've ever been in a long time <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna go do the same thing this weekend i'm going off to the south of wales yeah to margham park if you're in britain and you're around margham park in south wales uh, on sunday or monday of this weekend come and find me i'll be the one smashing in some roundheads are you going to do that the whole week no, no, just uh, I leave on Friday, come back Tuesday. And then, Dilly, it's my birthday next Wednesday. <laughs> Wee! Oh, Nick, so, look at you. Yeah, I'm very excited. You are, you must oh, I be. Don't I don't know. I don't know if I'm excited about my birthday particularly. It's the big four zero. Big four zero. What a load of shit. I'm just going to turn 40. It's fine. I have been looking in the mirror a lot going, is my hair getting greyer? But aside from that, I'm perfectly fine. Do you have plans for your birthday? Nah, I don't really celebrate my birthday. My celebration's going to be going to the battle. That's all. My wife said, what do you want to do for your birthday? Mm-hmm. I said, I want to go fight a battle. 
my family said, what do you want to do for your birthday? I said, I want to go fight a battle. And they were just like, I, I guess he's going to go fight a battle. So I've ordered an excruciatingly expensive amount of German beer to be delivered to the campsite. I, I'm not even going to tell you how much three crates of German beer costs in the uh, UK, but it's excessive. And I'm going to get some tequila and I'm going to get really hammered in a field and fight an English Civil War battle. That's my plan. Is that a reenactment thing that you drink tequila on the battlefield? On, all right. So no, I mean, oh yeah. So you you don't really know as much. I mean, Simon, when I explained to him last year, uh, producer Simon, um, he was the only one he didn't know anything about. A former co-host Simon knew a lot about uh, the seal knot because I I told him so much. I bent his ear so much about it. So the way it works, essentially, Dilly, it's like going to a music festival. Except instead of the music, you have a 17th century battle. So for the vast amount, majority of the time, you're actually on a quite modern kind of campsite in the mm. middle of a field. Basically, you've got food stands. You've got, in fact, how it worked last year was the beer tent was both private and public. So it was public when the battle was on and private when the battle was over. Mm -hmm. And so there was a beer tent, there was food stands, there was all this other stuff as well. And it's quite modern. And then we become very 17th century for about four or five hours in, uh, over the day on Sunday and uh, Monday and reenact the battle. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to being sort of modern campers, essentially. Albeit we're all wearing 17th century clothing. Only during battle? Well, no, I mean, I, my thought is, well, what I did last time is I just got changed straight away because it's warmer and it's just nice to be in. Mm. It's like wearing a favorite jumper. And most of it's handmade. So if it's all handmade, it means it's all um, uh, tailored. So it fits really nicely. Okay. So the best fitting clothes I own are all 17th century. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you also um, eat 17th century food? I mean, some people do. There's the living history. It's just like a, a living museum, essentially, that visitors can go around and people who come to see the battle can go around. And there's people there who exhibit the cooking techniques or like weapons or uh, maps and stuff like that from the period but i mean most of the time when it's not when it's there's no public around everyone's just getting on as normal no one sort of desperately wants to live like a a 17th century peasant particularly it turns out dilly it wasn't a great life <laughs> so it turns most people out. want to want to avoid it eat everything with a fork you don't eat everything with a fork no, I mean, like, uh, there's no knives, really. I mean, just everything's sort of fork food, effectively. Fork or spoon is what you get. Ah, okay. And uh, it gets a bit repetitive after a while. And how many people do you do this with? There's me and my mate Dave. No, uh, there's about 3,000 <laughs> members, I think, all told. Over 3,000, I think, at this point. Okay. I think last year there was about 1,500 to 2,000. So it could be something similar. It's quite a distance, South Wales, for a lot of people. Mm. But um, it's a, it's always a big one. So we'll just see who turns up, really. So what kind of weapon are you going to have? A pike. Oh. Um, a pikaneer, as they would say in German. That's the best bit about it, actually. The best bit about it is the Germans are coming. And the they have a lot of, in the south of Germany, especially because of the Thirty Years' War, mm. there's a lot of Wallenstein fests. And Wallenstein fests are really... They're quite funny little things, very inauthentic, mm -hmm. but they generally take over towns every four years or so. Mm. At least that's the, how it kind of works around here. And they turn the towns into 30 year, years war reenactment sites. 
And so uh, you have all these people kind of parading around and doing reenactments and there's like soldiers camps and stuff mm. in some of them. And the guys from Memmingen are coming to the south of Wales. Mm. And that's going to be mint because it's always good because it's weird for them because I'm the only German speaker out of probably the entire society. Mm. which is desperately sad that I am the most proficient German speaker out of an entire society <laughs> of 3,000 members but it says a lot and, and maybe there's more proficient speakers I don't know um, I've never met them and so we always have a good laugh we usually find ourselves fighting the Germans which means that we're sort of shouting stupid German insults at them and they're sort of they love it and they have a good time and it's just nice it's just nice to see them it's a nice little like kind of added extra to the weekend you can probably spy on the Germans and translate their strategies and stuff. Not a translator. People do that. They go with us because they know the Germans. The Germans turn up like so well prepared. They turn up in a bus. They've got their own beer tent. They've got beer benches. And they, more importantly, bring their own beer equipment, which means a um, ice-cold beers being served. How many times did you say beer in that last sentence? Uh, they turn up in a beer a bus with their own beer banks no, and no, a beer no, tent. No, they turn up in a bus and they bring beer. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's mm, the Germans mm. on a campsite. It's beer. But what they do have is German beer on site and it's ice cold and you don't have to pay for it if you know the Germans. So what generally happens is I know the Germans and then we get some hangers on and they come to watch me speak German and it's desperately difficult because they're going, what did they say, Nick? What did they say? What did they say? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't fucking translate. Half the stuff they're saying are just filler words or like kind of exclamations. I don't know how to translate all of these to you, so um, that's part of the challenge. How are you going to take a pike through security at the airport? I don't take them. They're stored by the regiment, so luckily there's someone else will bring the, the pikes. Otherwise, getting through a 16-foot stick through uh, ship or customs <laughs> would be a desperately difficult thing to do. I'd have loved to see your face on the front of the newspaper, very mugshot-like. I mean... It's not the weapon you're going to choose to try and hijack a plane, is it really? Uh, it's not exactly wieldy. And it's got a rubber tip. I don't see anyone really being that threatened. They also it. don't let you take 100 milliliters of water with which you cannot also yeah, hijack true. a yeah, plane. Yeah. But then, you know, why do you know? Any, any old shit at this point. Well, I've got um, one of the things I'm bringing with us is a portable battery. And I'm like, can I get that through customs? I think so. But I don't know. And it cost me 30 quid and I'd like not to have to give it to some weird customs guy, but we'll see. So uh, there's a lot of questions still to be asked about going through security at airports. But luckily I won't have a pike. Okay. Moving on to less happy news, I guess. It's a Boo. World Cup bloody update. Boo, I hate it. So the World Cup ended. A team, another team won that wasn't England. Um, okay, so Spain won the World Cup. Uh, they beat England 1 0. It was desperately sad. I think England gave it, 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 it as good as it could get. I think this World Cup's been fantastic. Still, um, again, I, was, I didn't want Spain to win because I was supporting England, but also because there's been a lot of really shitty things happening with Spain. And there's a massive rift in their squad between the players and the, and the, the coaching staff. And uh, it was further exacerbated at, um, at the ceremony of where they were giving the World Cup trophy to these heroic Spanish footballers. And um, I think it was the head of the Spanish FA took it upon himself to open mouth kiss one of the players. Did you see that? Trigger warning. Yeah. So what, 
what the fuck are you doing? Like, honestly, oh, God. It, it's disgusting. It, it just, uh, I just. <sighs> I mean, is he going to be pulled up for that? Or is it just Probably making not. the rounds on social media in picture form? Like I fucking love I love football so much, right? But yeah. it's, it's it's operated by just the biggest sack full of arseholes that you've ever met. <laughs> FIFA, it's just a it's just an office full of dickheads, and then you've got UEFA, which is just a smaller office full of fucking dickheads, and then you've got the football associations of nearly every fucking country, which are just blazer wearing dickheads more often than not. Gray haired old men who know less about football than like a fart that Messi extrudes when he's playing for Miami for fuck's sake honestly it's just desperately sad and it it's is. people like that you just never get punished no, no and like, never. if he gets punished he's probably a fucking millionaire he's probably got fucking plenty of cash so it doesn't really matter anyway it's just ugh it's yeah. just disgusting the whole thing really absolutely and it totally marred yeah totally marred what was Spain were fantastic dominant throughout yeah really um England played with a lot of heart, but not a lot of, of intelligence. And um, it seemed like their luck kind of ran out and, uh, and Spain really, really sort of did them over. Um, so well done to Spain as commiserations to England um, all round. Yeah, it's not the way I was kind of expecting it to go. But in fairness, I did expect that England would uh, go out against Australia. Mm. So that was nice to see that at least mm -hmm. we got to the final but it's just another england final that i've had to watch where we lose so yay yay, yay. football <laughs> um on on a slightly more positive note our man harry kane who we talked about last week uh, scored on his debut lovely who you talked about goal. last week but okay ah come on dilly <laughs> just because we're not going to talk about fruit doesn't mean you have to be so bitter i am Harry Kane scored, set up a, a goal as well on his Bundesliga debut. Everyone got very excited. And um, and yeah, I'll not sing the Hurricane song again, but it's just, just no listener. It's uh, going on inside my head right now. I'm giving him a weird look. Dilly, we've been talking a lot about the summer lock mm -hmm. and the, the space between the chasm that is created once uh, all politics goes on a summer break and all the journalists go on summer break and everybody just goes on holiday and there's nothing left to talk about. Well, um, it's been slowly winding back up again and there's been a number of different things um, discussed or political topics discussed over the last week or so. Two things I've, I've sort of highlighted was there was discussions uh, in the middle of last week about the uh, agreement within the uh, the government about the new legislation for for cannabis that's going to come into interesting uh, up for a vote i think in the next legislative period so starting in september mm -hmm. i think the hope is it'll get be done by december it's basically nothing's changed everything we've talked about already is sort of mm -hmm. there but it's now ready but at, at the same time is it is this this has been kind of on the table for at least a year now the opposition has started to ramp up to there's been a number of different groups coming out at same groups as you'd expect but there's been some doctors groups as well and they've they've published open letters complaining about it some police groups uh have or police unions have come out uh in support and uh against mm -hmm. the legislation mm -hmm. but it looks like things are really really moving quite rapidly forward with this one 
One thing, though, I have to say is uh, that I just saw the article in the Target show about this and uh, looking at the photograph of Karl Lauterbach, the federal health minister, and uh, together with Marco Bushman, who is the federal minister of justice, I can they look very stressed out. I, I don't know. They seem like to be the poster boys for this campaign to work. Yeah, I mean, Lauterbach, Lauterbach's been sort of on this for since he became health minister, and it's something he's talked about a lot before mm-hmm. before he got into government. Yeah. And Bushman, I feel Bushman will just he's got his face of, of someone who's perpetually lost. Yeah, um, he's just he was he's like, why am I here? What's going on? Um, I'm sure he's very capable, just maybe not great at taking photos. He looks quite exasperated. Yes. I would give yes. a, a sort of puffed out cheeks and sort of yes, gone, um, very. But I think it's causing it's causing a lot of issues more than anything because it's it's probably there's a there's a lot of opposition to it. Mm. People who support it aren't and wholly happy with it, mm. and it's like a first step. But I think all the people who you expect to be against this stuff is is is, is already voiced their complaints. Mm. I think a lot of people are actually quietly in support of it and are hoping it just goes through without much problem. There was a, a funny thing where Marcus Surda said, mm. um, there'll be no cannabis in Bavaria. <laughs> and then someone had commented underneath and said, well, this is a federal law. So, I mean, you can't really stop it. Yes, that's true. Uh, it's, it's basically once it gets passed, it's passed and it'll apply in different ways across different the states. But we'll, you'll be, we'll be able to form our own decades from home cannabis club if we wanted. <laughs> Not that we would, but we could. Um, yeah. We could. Dilly's decades from home cannabis club <laughs> we could have a we could have a cannabis corner because you sincerely do not want to do the fruit corner i don't want to out myself in any way shape or form but i'll tell you what i'd enjoy that corner a hell of a lot more uh, so, <laughs> this, this, uh, it's, this isn't the only thing that's been announced uh, either there's also been a bit of hubbub as you would expect because why not cause lots of hubbub when people are trying to give other people rights and freedoms. Uh, the Selbstbestimmungsgesetz yeah. has been discussed yeah. and kind of proposed by the Ample Coalition as well. And that is the self-identification law, Q, just insanity online as people who clearly didn't look at the law, didn't think about what it said, decide to comment on the most horrible kind of way possible against uh, trans people, basically, mm-hmm. who say really horrible shit. I posted on this earlier on Twitter, and oh, I have no. one comment, uh-huh. um, which is, um, and I said, uh, I just said, like, trans people are people, and, like, why can't we just be a bit more compassionate? Yeah. And someone had just written falsh underneath. <laughs> so you get the sense of the level of debate that we're That's, dealing with. No. I, I scrolled through the uh, the Twitter uh, trending topics and read some of the, the stuff that's been posted by, uh, it's just all shite, man. It's just the it same is. shit over and over again. It you is. could replace it with any marginalized group and you'd just be the same shit, you know? Yeah. Honestly. But uh, what the law actually does is it allows trans people to change their um, name and genders more easily uh, to al- enable them to change their uh, names on their birth certificates of their children and some small kind of uh, rules about how um, over 14-year-olds can change their their gender or change their name um it doesn't really impact anything else yeah uh, and it certainly isn't doesn't warrant the level of absolute inane alarmism that seems to be stemming yeah or seems to be typical of of these kinds of discussions 
but that's the kind of hubbub that's been going on this week. I don't know if you've noticed anything that's been going on, any, any themes or topics that have been happening this week. Something that I am looking forward to happening this week is that uh, this is reported in the local Germany. Germany's eagerly awaited dual nationality law is likely to be passed in cabinet on Wednesday, which is tomorrow. That is quite the milestone. Yeah, so this is just another one of these. So the cabinet's basically agreeing on the laws they're going to they're going to propose and vote, and the government's going to vote on uh, with their majority. And so uh, the double citizenship or the Staatsbürgerschaft reform mm -hmm. is going to be um, is, a, is is one of those laws. So like the um, Selbststimmungs um, uh, gazettes and the cannabis uh, regulations, uh, these are all things that are being agreed on within the government, which will then be voted on later. But you, are you excited for that? Is that that's not massively going to impact your life, though, Dilly? Is it the change in the citizenship rules? The way it impacts me is that I had to give up my Sri Lankan citizenship to become a German citizen. Yeah, of course. And that's something mm. that pained me very much. It was, it made the situation very bittersweet for me. And I would like to know whether this means I can again apply for Sri Lankan citizenship and then be a dual citizen. But I haven't seen any comments on this so far. I don't know whether anyone's asked this question and whether it has been answered. I'm all ears. I'll be honest with you, and this isn't necessarily a dig or anything, but a lot of the talk I've seen has very been much focused on Americans getting citizenship or British people getting citizenship, which sort of says, well, it tells you everything about the dominance of those two nationalities in the English-speaking speaking communities of, of Germany. But I, I, I don't know if it does allow you to retroactively mm. regain citizenship, but I assume it must do. If you're already a German citizen. Yeah. I don't see why you shouldn't be allowed if, if Sri Lanka allows you to. Yeah. Don't see why it should be an issue. It would be lovely. But um that'd be it would yeah, no, I I get that. The pain of, of losing a and yeah. we've talked about this before, the pain of losing an identity. Yeah. Um that you you hold very dear. Yeah. Uh, well let's hope so, Dilly. I hope so. Thank hope you. Keep your fingers crossed. If you ever want to start the worst discussion possible, bring up the idea of trigger warnings. I can tell you, you'll surely discover some of the most asinine opinions ever vocalized. Trigger warnings or simply messages before a show that attempt to provide some context to viewers about what they're about to watch have been common in the English-speaking world for a while. Disney famously introduced them to certain films and shows on their streaming platform last year. Luckily for us, though, Dilly, we can now have that conversation in German too, as Westdeutsche Rundfunk have decided to include a brief message before reruns of their famous 70s shows, The Otto Show, starring German comedian and seemingly the voice of every cartoon character ever, Otto Valkers, and the 90s uh, Schmitteinander, which starred Harold Schmidt. I've got to say, Schmitteinander is a fantastic name for a television show. <laughs> um, but both these shows will, on certain episodes at least, have some kind of warning about the content. The warning itself reads, the following program is shown in its original form as part of television history. It contains passages that are considered discriminatory today. So just warning viewers that some of the jokes will probably be, you know, 70s or 90s. Nothing too much to worry about. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think, Dilly? Do you think this is a good thing that they're putting these kind of uh, messages or slash trigger warnings before comedy shows? 
I am I'm, I'm absolutely for this. I, I don't see what the problem is. I mean, we've always had trigger warnings, right? Like viewer discretion advised. Uh, some viewers will find this distressing and whatnot. I mean, we've had this before news reports. Uh, we've had this on other things like documentaries, for instance. And I think it's brilliant that we can approach past entertainment where through today's lens. I think it's better than not showing them at all. And I'd like to live in a world where we didn't need to tell people that this show was made in the past and therefore is going to be a bit different. But I don't think people really, well, people don't necessarily have that context. Young people especially necessarily don't necessarily have that experience. And um, being shouted at by a boomer isn't really informing them of that experience. So mm. I think it helps young people kind of see the shifts and changes mm. a little bit and I, I think it says it says a lot about changes in humor what was funny in the past yeah. and what isn't funny now necessarily i think some of the stuff that are in these shows probably isn't that risque but there's other stuff there's a one of the points that was being made by most outlets was that the auto show particularly had a song um that was presented as a ancient chinese song Ooh. about two people called ping and pong and you're like yeah i mean that might be worth pointing out that that's a really shitty stereotype yeah and is quite racist by the standards of today yeah and i think it probably was quite racist by the standards of the time then as well but uh, it was a different different culture a different time um so i'm broadly in support of them at least we are not getting a cleaned up version of it. That's nice. I mean, we are not cleaning things up, as in we are not blurring or uh, pixelating the screen. Someone can watch the same thing, but also be given more context as to when we are watching it and our backgrounds now. Uh, it seems to be also an informative exercise in itself. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that it's it just helps kind of keep the culture kind of going in one way because like i said like you said it's not good to pixelate stuff or ban stuff unless it's properly egregious i mean there's been some really awful kind of shows out there and there's been some just like a lot of the time it wasn't malicious it was just really bad sort of decisions being made that made like quite awful shows yeah um there's a really famous example that is is rolled out when they talk about the worst tv shows ever mm -hmm. and i forget I forget what it was called. It was a British TV show and it was in, it was when... Was um, it Mind Your Language? No, no. It's, uh, Mind Your Language is, is an awful kind of... But it's Mind Your Language is a good example. It's a TV show. Yeah. If you've never seen Mind Your Language, it's a TV show about like a TEFL teacher, teacher of English for foreign learners and uh, teaching English to a group of, of foreigners and they're all sort of racial stereotypes. And so there's like a Mexican guy with a sombrero in his class and sort of an overly polite Japanese person and, and stuff like that. But no, th that wasn't the one I was thinking of. This is in the, the sort of early days of cable television, I think, in the UK or Sky TV, mm. when um, mm -hmm. they sort of, uh, they basically commissioned loads of mad shit 
uh, and and just random stuff. So this is 1990. The TV show it was had one series, uh, only one episode of it was aired. All the the rest were binned, and it was called Heil Honey, I'm Home, and it was a comedy series mm. centered on Adolf Hitler and Eva Brown, who live next door to a Jewish couple. Oh, fuck um, me. and that was commissioned for I think it was Sky Television ultimately, uh, and it was aired once. And then, um, or was it Galaxy? I can't remember. But it was definitely commissioned by someone. And yeah, it was it was bloody awful. Uh, and completely ridiculous idea, terrible idea overall. But uh, those kinds of shows just shouldn't be back on television. Yeah. But there's other shows that are important to the culture that you, you want to maintain, but you don't necessarily want to rip apart either by over-editing. Uh, I don't think this is necessary. I think this is anything that gives this these TV shows a a little bit of a, an extra boost. Obviously, the the focus of the discussion has been on on kind of is it okay to have these uh, messages before mm-hmm. TV shows? And and um, Otto Valkers himself was interviewed and actually he's quite sympathetic of the decision. And he said that um, half the, the the comedy show was like half a century ago. Mm. More concepts have changed since the nineteen seventies. Mm. He said each era has its own taboos. There's always something offensive about comedy because it violates everyday rules, which is a fair point. Mm. Um, I was a student at the time and made jokes that particularly offended authorities, Mm. he said. Um, Other people laughed like 30 or 40 million viewers, so we can't warn enough about comedy, he said, sort of taking the piss a little bit. Mm -hmm. The Otto show in particular can lead to uncontrollable outbursts of laughter and sore muscles in consumers. So he sort of made making fun of the whole thing as well. Mm. But I think he, he saw the funny side. Do you wonder though, like the moment we say trigger warnings, it's like saying woke. People don't know what it means, but they are against it. Mm. So the people make fun of trigger warnings and even of the term itself. And do you think like if nobody had called this a trigger warning, but they do the warning anyway, do you think it would have been met with a different reception? I think no, because... We sort of live in a society where we've hived off into these little groups of people. There's the boomers there. There's gen- we've done it ourselves as well, and we've allowed it to be done to ourselves by mm. people just dividing society into generations. And I think it's the the, the thing we've got to do is fight against it. But the, the truth of the matter is, there's people who like to be in the camp of like, I'm this, I'm this subcategory, I'm this generation. My generation was better than your generation, and we had it harder than yours. And and you need to drink fewer lattes and eat fewer avocados, and then you might be able to buy a house. Mm. Uh, that kind of shit. Those kinds of divisional kind of discussions. And I think it falls into that category where people who enjoyed these TV shows as kids or as, as young adults uh, feel like their 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 culture or the things that they like are under attack. Because it's better to say that than to deal with the fact that, yeah, I mean, you by the standards of the time, it these these think things seemed okay, but actually they kind of weren't. They weren't okay, and I think people knew that and didn't really care. And now people know that and they do care. And I think there's a lot more people who would be impacted by people taking the piss out of Chinese people on a on a public broadcaster. You know, um, I think that's that's the reason you do it. And it, I think it offends people who were young in the 70s or in, in, in the sort of 20s in the 70s. Um, it offends them because it just feels like their their thing is under attack and it, they think it's okay and why can't it be okay today? Mm. It was okay in my day. And, 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 and so it, it, I think it just upsets them. But it doesn't necessarily, it's, I, I think it's a rather moderate move really, more than anything. Yeah, it is. 
I don't know. Like I, I was thinking about this, and we have people who have these views anyway. We we deal with them every day, and it's like we can't ban them either. How do we deal with people with these views? I don't think we should ban TV shows necessarily. I don't think banning stuff is the. I think that should really be reserved for the most kind of extreme stuff. But I'm not a fan of of just outright bans.、Mm. But I think about this a lot, and it's it sort of we've had discussions about this in different contexts. But like, ultimately. I think when you're dealing with people who've got entrenched opinions, you're kind of wasting your time. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. really want to talk to people with entrenched opinions,、no. I, and and my aim isn't to change their minds because、yeah. I don't think that you actually have a beneficial discussion. Yeah, and it's like on a number of topics we've talked about before, whether it's cannabis legislation or selbstbestimmung、um, or or whatever. We should we should try and approach these these things with some level of seriousness. Yeah, and earnestness. To to try and understand, but often they kind of become just debates between entrenched opinions. Yeah, and and really, I think we just need to discuss with people who are, are quite reasonable, because I think the majority of people are quite reasonable. The majority of people don't really care if a thing comes up on Disney Plus or on WDR and or VDR, and they see,、um, oh, this show was made in the seventies and might be a little bit、um, off color,、mm. or it might be a little bit racist in parts. I, I don't think most people really give a shit, but I think it's it's a it's a place where very angry people can express their their sort of anger at changing society、mm, more、yeah. than anything else. Yeah. It's that time of year again, listeners. We get to talk about whether the German language is degenerating into a collection of just terrible Denglish. Or、um, rather, ask whether the kids are all right.、Um, as is tradition on the podcast,、uh, we're going to discuss this year's shortlist for the Jungenwirt des Jahres 2023. Yeah, woo! So yeah, what we're going to do is peer into the opaque world of the German youth culture and try to understand what the fuck it is they're talking about.、Uh, this year is especially interesting since there's some returning words and a couple of old school numbers to keep us all interested. So. Uh, Dilly, you、uh, you volunteered to、uh, take us through some of these words and what and phrases and what they mean. So why don't you give us the first、uh, on the short list for the young word of the year, twenty twenty three? The first word is auf loch,、uh, which means、um, to be relaxed about things. Have you heard that before? Yeah, I've heard on loch, but、uh. in terms of. Like it is used to mean in control of something, okay, not to be relaxed. Yeah, but you said it comes from a, another German word. So it's a word locker. So locker to sein is、uh, is to be very informal and very relaxed about something. So auf lock, and also because there's an English word lock, and you can lock your phone and things. So maybe the word lock is there in locker, and also it's there in English somehow. And auf lock to sein. I, I, that's just an assumption, though. Well, lock is L O C H in English. L O C H is lock,、uh, as in the water. But maybe you mean lock as in the the place where you put something. So that would explain, like, um,、uh, you, you sort of、uh, lock and key. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. It, 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 but I think it, it means to control something. On lock is is I think related to prison terminology. That would be my guess,、mm-hmm. at least. 
Um, okay, the next on the list then, Dilly. The next one is a daf erzo um, as an expression of wonderment or wondering. Yeah, this is one that I've not really heard that much, Mm-mm, but I can sort of see I. how it's used. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why it's the young person's word of the year, yeah. Dilly, and not the sort of not middle-aged ours. person's <laughs> Middle-aged, <laughs> exactly. two, three days away yeah. from being 40. Yeah. Sharp. Um, <laughs> anyway. It's all right. I, I'm, I'm right behind you. So, you know. Got seven days. Seven days. <laughs> <laughs> the next word, Nick, is digger. And when I heard this for the first time in school, I had like the rug pulled out from under my feet because I didn't know this. And it sounds so much like the N word. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that was something that came out last year because this was on the, the shortlist last year as mm-hmm. well. And I've read in a few places that it is a kind of, it's a way of saying the N-word without saying the N-word. I'm not entirely convinced by that, but it does seem very similar. Mm -hmm. And seeing the people who usually say digger, it suggests that that might be it. Basically, I see a lot of kind of edgelord YouTubers Mm -hmm. using this word. So, And every other student, every student in school. I I don't hear my students use it this Ah, much, to be honest. Yeah, maybe they're just a bit too old. A friend of mine who teaches, she had this experience that um, uh, the students kept calling her this. They kept referring to her as Digger when talking to her and it really set her off. So one day she saw another teacher saying it right back at the student and uh, she used this and they all stopped doing it to her. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is. It's one of those things where it's like, Mm. it's not cool if the teacher's doing it. Nope, nope. Next one is um, goofy. Uh, it means weird and uh, out of sorts. Is it out of sorts? Tolpatschig. Yeah, like clumsy, clumsy. or uh, sort of ridiculously. So, I mean, it's the name of a Disney character who is clumsy. Goofy. Um, I quite like this because it's it's a one-to-one. Lone word. It hasn't been given some ridiculous extra meaning in German. It just means what it means in English. So that's nice. <gasps> Oh, you do discriminate words based on like the semantic origin? Well, let, I'll, all I'll say is handy is a fucking stupid word. And I think it would be better if we just didn't use it. Which we just one? Phone, Which one? But, you know, there we are. Handy. What is that? Handy. Oh, you mean the handphone? I mean, handphone's even more antiquated, but like ha- handy just seems, it just seems like ridiculous at this point. Handphone is the, what people say what, in Sri Lanka. <laughs> To, for mobile phone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, is that why you said it's, it's antiquated? My... I should have known you. Oh, Jesus. No, it's also what my grandparents used to say. So Being very fine. judgy, judgeson today. Does, does, <laughs> your, does your mother have her hand phone? She oh, has what? a hand phone. Yes, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> next to the Epsom salts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the next one is Kel or the Kellerin. So you have Kel as in a boy or a friend, and then you have the feminine form of it, Kellerin. I mean, this is a word I know really well. Kell is a word that my Omar uses to talk about the the lads in the family. Like a chap. And my Kell, I think, is... Yeah, yeah, so she'll, um, it's like an exclamation as well yeah. when you, the when a, a, young, a young lad does something stupid or something funny or hmm. just something that's exasperating. Hmm. Um, she'll say like minor kill or something like that. Ah, so um, okay. I can't quite get the schwabish on it, okay. but it's definitely a word that I've, I've 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 used and heard used. 
All right. Although I'm not a young person, so I might get told off for you. <laughs> well, you you still are for another week, so who knows? Next one before I've kicked off the podcast forever. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not going to say anything to you, Dilly. <laughs> just just continue, please. There's NPC. It's supposed to be something pejorative, and it's the abbreviation for non-playable character. You, this one, you have to explain to me, Nick. Okay, so we're in a video game. There are the player characters, and they're the non-player characters. And the non-player characters are all the uh, computer-generated characters that your character interacts with mm. as the player. And so an NPC is usually considered to be someone who's not the protagonist or the antagonist. Their background characters less than important. If you're an NPC, usually, and in NPCs in video games usually follow a set route. They usually have a set amount of things that they'll say and they're sort of window dressing essentially. And that's quite a horrible insult, actually, if you call someone an NPC. Mm. It's basically just like saying you're entirely unimportant. Oh, Yeah, it's a, it's another bullshit term. I, I, I think it's a bit shitty, really, to be honest. Yeah, it is a bit it's shitty. It's usually used by the, the, worst, the worst people as well. It's usually used by sort of influencer arseholes. So I'd avoid it as <laughs> best, best as possible. Okay. The next word is riz, and it's supposed to be a person's ability to be charming verbally and to flirt. Riz. So do you say he has riz? I guess so. I guess it's, that's the use of it. It's not a word, again, that I've, I mean, unsurprisingly, being that I'm, I'm not a particularly interesting person, um, <laughs> I would be. I would be uh, unaware of this word. Um, again, though, I think this is actually a, an English loan word. So it, it's another a word that we use in English as well as in German, apparently. Oh, do we say riz as in uh, some how, how someone flirts? It's not a term that I've come across that often, but it is one that is 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 in use, apparently. It's on Urban Dictionary, um, meaning the same thing. So another one-to-one. I wonder where that comes from. I'll tell you, um, I mean, it doesn't say, and it's never going to tell you in Urban Dictionary, right? Uh, yeah, so you can say someone has riz or no riz, I think is okay. the term. Okay. Then we have side eye to mean uh, to um, throw shade at someone. Yeah, side eye is another one to give, to give someone the side eye, uh, mm-hmm. express contempt. I like this one. I use it in English. Yeah. Yeah, you, you often give me the side eye. <laughs> I like using it. Uh, producer Simon likes doing it. Side eye. He's doing it right now, listener. He's doing it right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> then we have slay. Well, in English, it means to like to have done something really well or to do something really well. Uh, he slayed it. Does it. Is it the same yeah. thing in German? Or you slay or I slay. It's, yeah, it's uh, an expression of sort of approval, admiration, but mm. also like... Uh, it's kind of like a, oh, you did really well, like a, a, cel- a celebratory thing. Okay. You slay. Okay. It's is, is usually a, 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 a most positive. We have one more word, and that is a YOLO. It means, um, it stands for you only live once. And it was already the um, Jugend vote uh, of 2012. Yeah, it was. It already won. I don't know what the hell it's doing in this list now i mean who the fuck is using yolo really it was already to use a an already shortlisted young person's word of the year um cringe um it was <laughs> i think that was last year's word of the year cringe, is nice. cringe um yeah but it is it's super 
cheesy, man. It's like really hokey. Really? If somebody said YOLO to me, I think I'd kick yeah. them out a window. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you want to live one? <laughs> so, yeah. It's not great. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know that we're using many of those regularly. I don't think I use any of those at all. Kale maybe might be one. A goofy, I say, I suppose. But Yeah, but goofy. I use goofy not in the sense of clumsy, but as someone who's a bit like, like lovable and uh, very friendly, like very goofy, like someone who has a, you know, like a fairly, fairly good sense of humor. Like a very goofy yeah, person. Yeah, but no one wants to be called goofy. Really? Yeah, but no one wants. It's not a positive. No one wants to be called goofy. No, no. Look up. Just, just Google the word goofy and then tell me if you think it's got positive connotations. It's it's really not. I can tell you. Um. So, Dilly, once again, English seems to dominate this list, this short list of the young person's word of the year, and you can imagine how well that's gone down in the the broader uh, German speaking community. And it seems to be the annual discussion at the moment whether the uh, the youth word of the year is or the or the youth in general are verdummung nochmal or dumbing down. Mm-hmm. Um, an English word won last year, smash. Um, it wasn't cringe, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I realise that now. Uh, the the term is often used to, in in youth language to express that you find someone attractive. Smash is an ugly, ugly word, really horrible word. Um, but if you look at the previous winners. Of uh, the Jungenwerd des is what you tend to see is a lot of a lot of English words. Really, a lot of a lot of them we've got um, going back to uh, 2008. We had Gammelfleisch party. Have you heard that word before? Gammelfleisch. No. An over 30s party. It's oh. quite a horrible terminology. Really? Um, we have we had uh, the word uh, Hartzen. Which means some to, to sort of do to hang around something that's pointless. Uh-huh. We've got niveau limbo, which is again meaningless conversations. Mm-hmm. And then we start getting these English words. We've got swag, yeah. which was 2011, 2012. We had yolo. Yeah. Um. We had 2013. We had babo, which means boss or or, or chief or or, mm. or whatever. Not not really heard that one. 2014 lauf bei dir, uh, which is like good uh, gemacht or like sort of well done cool we had smombie 2015 this is someone who uses a smartphone too much smartphone and zombie mixed together <laughs> fly sign in t- 2016 e-bims which i love in 2017 um aaron man and aaron frau which mm-hmm. is like a good person um in 2019 there was no young word and then we had 2020 lost 2021 cringe and 2022 smash yeah. so at least the last three years we've had uh, english words being the uh, the overall champion so it does suggest that perhaps there's too much english being used by young people i don't know what do you think Dilly? should we stop using english <laughs> or should young people start speaking more german i have heard the complaints myself i have a friend who's um who's quite a few years older and i remember when we met up during the beginning of the pandemic she took me aside and she said, you know, it's really not fair. And she speaks German. She doesn't speak English at all. So um, she said, you know, it's really unfair that all the words that we are referring to the pandemic with also in Germany are English words uh, like home office. And I said, ah, yeah, that's a new word. Uh, it's a new word in English, but it's also a new word in German. And there I was being all like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Until she said, yes, but then why does it have to be English? And she thought it was quite unfair because that means that she has to be more comfortable with the language that she's 
ultimately not very comfortable with. I see mm. the point. I mean, I can't say I don't see the point. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, mm. it does. On the other hand, like in Germany, a big deal is that on radio you hear almost always only English songs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, almost exclusively in some cases. Yeah. And people have a very passive intake of English uh, through songs. I mean, they can sing lyrics very well. And um, it's like you have the background set for a potential English invasion at some point. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more than that, isn't it? It's like, well, it's only... it's only. Uh, I'm seeing this with my daughter, right? Mm. She started after a visit from family in the UK. Mm. She started just producing English we didn't even know she had mm. and words she'd never used before. And it sort of unlocked something that hearing that English and spe- having people speak to her in English a lot more. Mm. But I think that's different from what we're getting in wider society, which is just like occasional words mm-hmm. that people like the sound of, which is why you end up with like Handy and Beamer, because it's like words people like the sound of, but don't actually know the meaning of. Mm. And I think that's the danger. I d- and I, I do feel for your friend as well. Yeah, it, it can be a bit discombobulating having a lot of just English words that you're not really used to, Yeah, especially when it's important stuff that's being discussed. I think this is something that the Tagesschau was looking into, and mm. they spoke to a doctor, Annette Closer Kuchelhaus, mm-hmm. who's the head of the Lexography and Language Documentation Program at the Leibniz Institute for the German Language in Mannheim. And she says that the influence of English on German vocabulary cannot be denied, it's there. Yeah. And the German Foreign Dictionary has a lot of borrowed words from English. Mm. And these are things like action, band, and stress are some of the words she highlighted. Mm. And some of them have already been adapted to the German spelling and pronunciation so that they're they're no longer recognizable as English. Mm. So we've got strike has become streak or strike. Strike. So spelled S-T-R-E-I-K instead of S-T-R-I-K-E. She, she also mentioned that it's around 30% of uh, these neologisms or new words are from the sort of 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. Mm. Uh, sorry, the words that have come from the, the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s have come from English, but two-thirds come from German. And she points out that the development of the language shows that German is still functioning, it still exists, it's still going, uh, and the vocabulary is continuing to expand, and really the young words aren't necessarily causing that much damage. Um, but she, she, one of the other things she interestingly pointed out was a lot of the words have have to do with like friendship, so like digger, riz, slay, goofy... Mm. Um, they're all expressing kind of affection to a certain extent mm. and that she said that it sort of suggests that the the current generation of kids between 13 and 19 are, are sort of concerned with themselves i'm not again not entirely sure about that reading mm. and maybe we're reading too much into it and that it's totally normal that you have these young people want to identify themselves with particular language particular words that yeah. are different from their their parents generation and that that's totally normal and has been done but that also brings into the question, what the hell is YOLO doing on that list? Uh, when YOLO is not a word that anyone's been using. And a lot of comments on the Tagesschau article were basically pointing this out, going like, well, if this is a young person's word, why are these words on it? I've never used these words. And there's some people who'd said digger isn't a word that a lot of young people use, but mm-hmm. also that YOLO isn't a word that young people use. So. Uh, my question to you, I guess, is do you reckon that there's like older people secretly submitting youth words so that they can feel like they're young and hip and cool? <laughs> you are definitely suspicious of older people, Nick. I'm not saying I did it. I mean, I'm not saying I did that so that I would make myself feel young and cool as I enter 
the the fourth decade of my life um and that's not anything oh, no don't look at me like that Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have submitted something what would it have been i would have been canny canny is the greatest jewelry word and i'd like to be able to use it with with um, impunity while living in germany like that's canny big oh she's dead canny that was a a canny bag of tudor Whatever you want to call canny, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. But I wish that was the word that I could include. Can you give us the meaning of it? It just means, it either means very or good. Ah. Canny big, very big. Very big. She's dead canny. Dilly, see that Dilly? She's dead canny, which means she's really nice. But you just said it's big. No, I mean, no. <laughs> Dilly, you just don't listen, do you? I said it's very, I said it's canny, big, very, okay? But it also means nice. Ah, so you did. You, can you say, did, you did, you did. I could even say, she's canny, canny. She's canny, canny. She's very she's nice. Canny, like. She's very nice. There you go, Dilly. Now you're cooking with gas. I'm a, I'm a fast learner. Ha. Yeah, it's debatable. Uh, so. <laughs> Good sir. Just so you know, listener, you can propose a youth word of the year. It can be submitted by any age group until the beginning of August. But the only people allowed to vote on the young person's word of the year are young people between the ages of, of, I think, 10 and 20. Uh, these are the only people who are allowed to vote. So uh, we will see what the young people think about the Jugendwerd des Jahres and whether it does reflect them. Uh, and we'll get, a, I think a, the, the vote is going to be in September and then we'll get the results come October. So which word, Dilly, out of these wonderful words that we've listened to and, and seen, which of these words gets your vote? Side eye. My vote is going for side eye. Wouldn't yours? I really like slay. Really like slay. <laughs> you do. know, I, I can see that. No, we, we, we say dead and like being dead uh, is a good thing, right? Oh, oh God, that's so funny. I'm dead. And like slaying has become a good thing. On Yeah, I think it's a positive. Yeah, I like yeah. it. It's, it's interesting. That brings us to the end of the show. I'm busy giving Nick the side eye for taking a week off from the podcast. Oh, but Dilly, I need to wear 17th century pants, man. Come on, <laughs> I can only do it once a year. That's going to be canny. <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, or lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dilly on at Dilly Algama, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. What's left to say is thanks, and bis some next time, Mal. Cheers! Cheers.